We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M and join me on Anchor. KKNWAM. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Tonight, we explore the many mysteries of a remote peninsula in Washington State, with a boots-on-the-ground investigator working to reveal this place's dark history and modern strange sightings. I spent all last week in a remote location myself, producing the new season of my documentary podcast, Euphemet. Just like this program, Night Drift... It's an exploration of the powerful transformation quality of paranormal events to our personal lives. A look at the unknown and our relationship to it, sitting at the intersection of high strangeness and culture. Being in the sloping hills of southern Indiana last week, a long way away from any bus line or Korean fusion restaurant, small town America, maybe exactly where you are listening to this from, is seemingly full of monsters. You find the right people and start asking the right questions, and you start finding the bones and exactly where they're buried, an unmarked grave, to remind us of how mysterious our own backyards can be. These are the ghosts we all carry around, from the solitary stoplight to the old historic inn, a snapshot of decades gone by. What's more, mostly lost in cities of glass and steel, This place still has a hitch for a horse outside its only tavern, where in the wine cellar, barkeeps are slapped on the back like a strange consolation. This is Brown County, Indiana, but it very well could be the Key Peninsula. And tonight, Bex Atwood takes us there, and we'll also be taking your calls, 425-373-5527, or toll-free in western Washington, 888-298. KKNW. That's 5569. If you live in the Key Peninsula, you may be picking this up right now on your AM radio. And even if not, and you're hearing this psychically or just through euphemet.com stream, I want to hear your story, your UFO sighting, your Sasquatch encounter. Let's hear it on Night Drift with Jim Perry, an alternative talk, KKNW, 1150 AM, right after this. Follow the show on social media at Euphomet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. 
Lift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. I spent some time on the Key Peninsula over the last few months working on a story with Bex and others. And I'll happily report it's a spooky, beautiful, dark place. Bex Atwood has been hitting the Facebook groups and leaving her contact info on telephone poles over all over the peninsula in an attempt to document and investigate the countless claims of unknown events. And she joins us now on Night Drift. Hello, Bex. Hey, Jim. Thanks so much for the invite. So happy to be here today. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on, and we're excited to learn more about the Key Peninsula, which is uh, such a special place, seemingly. First, I I wonder if you can describe what it's like to be on the Key Peninsula. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, it's such a magical place, and I actually came here by complete chance. It was in 2020, and it was really one of the only places I could find houses for rent at the time. Mm. Uh, Wasn't looking for it specifically. I think it found me. Um, So you get there by crossing the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And so it's, you're entering it through a liminal space, right? And and it just, everything around you shifts and you go from all of these oceanside houses you cross this huge bridge that's like reminiscent of the 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 Bay Bridge. Yeah. And all of a the sudden these giant trees come out of nowhere. And it gets really dark. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we have a few months of sun here, but we're ro- we're rolling in right to the rain and the gloom. And so you cross that bridge and it's just green. And there's life everywhere, but there's also often fog, rain, and it's really eerie because as you go down these narrow peninsula roads, there are less and less houses. Mm. Um, they get a little, you know, a little more rural as you go along, and then you know, the next thing you know, you're you're saying goodbye to Burger King, <laughs> you know, like this is the last <laughs> fast food place, and it's 15 miles. Um, but it's just there's just something in the air here, and I think a lot of people recognize it. <laughs> mm, interesting. Speaking of that, what is the locals' reaction to your interest in, in hearing their stories? What has that been? It's been, it's been quite a mix. I'll have to say, you know, mm. as guests, there have been some folks that aren't super responsive, and that's all fine and good. But what's interesting is there's a lot of people coming out of the woodwork that are like, oh, you'll listen? You actually mm. sit and listen to my story, and it's almost like they have they themselves have have faced ridicule, and I unfortunately know what that's like, and so that gets me excited. Like, yes, I will be that person for you. Let's talk and let's listen and let's compare stories. Yeah. And so, not only are am I getting that confirmation both ways, but then you start to realize that some of these stories may connect. And that's fascinating for them to even be a part of, you know, because they think they're crazy. So it's it's so validating and it's it's a really unifying experience, I think, for the community um, overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because a remote location like that, you think about it and sometimes you're, you're pretty far away from even your next door neighbor and maybe you don't even share very many words with them. And if you're both experiencing the strange sort of situations that that can occur in rural places like this, you, you may not have exchanged the information or even want to with your neighbors. Right. Especially during the pandemic, I was scared to bring over like a blueberry pie because, well, <laughs> you know, and I think that this is all justified and good, you know, however you feel safe, but there were some people who had signs up, you know, for the mail, yeah. uh, mail, postage offices and things. And they're like, listen, um, please don't come up on my porch. So, uh, you know, facing those signs, um, I had put off that blueberry pie for a long time and and with it, (laughs) the the ghost stories. (laughs) Right, right. I see what you're doing here. You're, you're uh, prying these ghost stories from people with desserts. Is that Uh, what's going on here? Jim, you can't just give my secrets away like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, well that, that works. So, so good job. Uh, You know, what prompted you in the first place to begin documenting and investigating the key peninsula? 
think that depends on how far you want to go back. But I think I have a good starting point for you. When we moved into the house, um, my partner, who is an, a retired Marine infantry veteran, um, seemingly has never had a paranormal experience, as you and I know he actually has. <laughs> but, you know, he, he started having really strange experiences here on, on the property. Um, mm. He saw this really interesting creature in our driveway. And what's interesting is every time he describes it, it kind of shifts and morphs. And, and so it started out as like these little kids with black eyes. Um, and it sort of shifted into like this weird, um, the black eyes remain, but if it's a child or if it's even humanoid is now debatable as time has passed naturally. Oh, what? But yeah, he saw that as he was backing out um, about 7 a.m. one morning and he was really freaked out and it, it followed with feelings of being watched in the house, um, something that I'm not a stranger to. And he had never experienced that feeling. So he, he was like, listen, I'm trying to work here in my office. And I just, I really feel like someone's watching me. I've never experienced this. What can we do? Wow. So, you know, I, I ended up cleansing, smoke cleansing the whole house. And I was able to, um, what I believe, kind of push it out into the backyard and, and came to this agreement of like, you know, as I'm smoke cleansing, you cannot cross these boundaries, but I'm happy to share my garden with you. I'm happy to share my woods, you know, hmm. go have fun. And then I also have been leaving whatever it is, um, monthly offerings on this tree trunk right at the edge of the woods. And so Interesting. that was just the beginning. And I got into some conversations with a neighbor. Finally, <laughs> we mm. were talking about missing missing objects and and how we did not want to seem ridiculous but we know that we did not put that white you know apple phone charger in the middle of the living room floor the one that we had torn the house apart for a week prior and they're not easy to come by around here you got to travel to get uh, some apple products so (laughs) you know we were we were mining for gold all over the carpet a week later it shows up right in the right in the center of the living room Oh wow! And and so I'm sharing this with her, and she said, "You know what's so funny is I couldn't find my handheld vacuum (laughs) for a couple weeks, and I had just set it down on the table, and it's significantly sized enough where I'm not just gonna poof, you know, it just doesn't go poof. It doesn't. It couldn't compute with her. And and once I shared my story with her, you can see that sense of relief of like, okay." I didn't just lose it for a second. Someone else is experiencing this within my proximity. Oh, wow. So naturally, my question became, who else <laughs> has experienced missing objects? And, and it just snowballed from there. Yeah. Well, that that's pretty clear. It, can you detail a little bit? I, I understand a, a part of that story that I've heard before that's really fascinating is that uh, personally, your partner your partner uh, hadn't quite been exposed to what was potentially, you know, sort of your witchcraft practice or your belief in these things uh, occurring or happening around us at that point. Right. Yeah. That was right around the time that I really started just shedding, shedding my outer layer that I, that I had formed, you know, after years of believing that people People didn't want to hear this. People didn't, people weren't interested in this part of me. And so I just mm-hmm. convinced myself that this wasn't significant enough to be a part of my identity, a part of my part of my energy output for the day. And it really started with, with his experience with Hellier. And then me cleansing the house. I had been practicing privately for about seven years. As a, as a witch as or, a witch, or practicing witchcraft. I sure was, sure am. And mm-hmm. countless different paths, you know. It's <sighs> it's really interesting, though, because as soon as I cleansed that house, I was like, I still got it, <laughs> you know. And, and this is something oh. that almost came natural to me as well. So yeah. I just harnessed that energy and I ran with it. And, and he was like, how on earth do you know how to do this? And that, that just opened <laughs> it all for me both ways. He ended up sharing things with me that I didn't even know. And so it was this really great 
um, time in our relationship of like, hey, you know, this is actually who we are and, and, that, and that's fine and that's all good. Right. Um, but then it also escalated my practice and, and my, my investigations. What, what do you think that little creature was that your partner was experiencing? So I have a thought process, especially around here. Now, growing up in Kentucky, it, you know, things are a lot, seemingly a lot older. There's the colonization mm-hmm. took place a lot sooner. And so there's a lot of rural cemeteries and there's a lot of ghosts and um, creatures of the sort. Oh, you tell so me about I, it. Yeah. So what I found here is there's almost more of a land spirit, natural kind of ancient energy here that mm. I did not feel back out East. And so my, my mind with that specific creature and with a lot of them um, that don't fit into any sort of cryptic category is um, land spirits. There's mm. just so many, <laughs> so many types. Who am I to say, you know, that it's not. And yeah. uh, makes the most sense with with the data that I have on that. Right. What what are we told? What are the ideas about what land spirits as 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 these things may be? What 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 is their intent uh being expressed when they in it, you know have an exchange with us or uh, are seen um or you know take our stuff? What what's what's happening there? Well, I think that that is such a complex thing. It's almost like questioning why, why humans do what they do, mm. but then, you know, adding potentially thousands and thousands of years to that. And so my thought behind it is always number one is protection of the land. And so with that particular spirit, I'm almost thinking it's like a nod of like, Hey, I'm here. I want you to know that I'm here. Be good to the land. But then I also have a more interesting theory that's catered to my partner's like specific personality. Mm. Um, you know, he's never had quote unquote an experience before this. And, and he kind of presents himself, you know, as this, this tough guy that, you know, that can't be scared. And so if sure. I was, is, is a tough guy though, let's be he, honest he here. He is. Um, absolutely. <laughs> But I think, you know, an ancient spirit might be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, right. tough. Um, right. in a non-aggressive way, I think they just were like, you, you know, see this guy over here. Let's mess with him a little bit. You know, let's give him, yeah. let's give him a little experience. <laughs> right, right. Can I give you my theory about this? would love to hear it. I think that it's possible that this, these little land spirits uh, actually were uh, in concert together to bring you and your partner closer. So imagine this, you've been practicing these things for so long. There's this idea of familiars, right? Which maybe you can explain a little bit to our audience because I, I don't have the words for, but essentially this, this stored kind of uh, a partner that can reside with people that are, uh, you know, practicing witchcraft with, certain kinds of intent and you have a situation where you and your partner have moved to this strange land you're all alone out in the middle of nowhere and what better opportunity to really throw some interesting you know sort of supernatural topics into the conversation to break the ice for you both to really expose your true selves to each other right wow that's puts a very beautiful, like magical aura around our relationship. That's so beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful, Jim. Yeah. Well, you know, just, uh, you can use that if you want. Just... <laughs> Do you want to it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, can you, uh, share a case you're currently working on there? I would love to, uh, there's a few that I'm very excited to reveal. I have permission. Um, if there is someone currently involved, we have full permission to speak about it. Um, the first one that comes to mind, I'm actually able to view this location from, from my office window right now. Mm. Um, oh, I also found a face in the tree. That's pretty interesting. Um, I'll have to send you a picture of that. Right now you did? I did. I, I have this, I believe this is a spruce right outside of my office and we had some tree trimmers come through um, right, right before winter last year. And what's interesting is 
the two eyes of the face are two limbs that have been cut, but then the grooves of that spruce are forming the perfect nose and like frowned face. Oh my God. I just saw it as I was trying to glance at the lake to make a point. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. A little spook there. Um, well, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. Oh, right. Live on so the radio it. discovery. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm just trying to look at a lake. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about here, the, the lady of Palmer Lake. Mm. And it's something that I've heard about from multiple neighbors. And when that subject came up in my Facebook group, people were hopping all over it. We have quite a few residents here in the Palmer Lake Beach Club. And there is a private lake. Um, there's reports of a woman in white appearing. And what's interesting is that's a very popular archetype in yeah. paranormal sightings all over the world. And so I found that super interesting. The exact lore is that she'll come out and hover above the water when it's foggy out late at night, extra chilly. I also heard that she likes to uh, to spook the uh, teenage kids who who go to the lake after hours in the mm. summer. <laughs> 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 but there have been various drownings there. I was able to find a couple death certificates, unfortunately, but it did confirm, you know, what I had heard by mm. the neighbors. Um, what's really unfortunate about this lake is we don't get to enjoy it as there's recurrent toxic algae blooms almost every summer. Oh no. And unfortunately that is attributed to human, human waste, um, mm. especially like lawn fertilizer. Oh, I see. And, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's super sad. Um, but the HOA here tries to clean it up. And I've been trying to do my part as well to combat more of the litter side and, uh, you know, been planting a few aqua plants here and there because I'm me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just doing my part to try to keep it clean. But I did have an investigation there with Garrett from Lunal Earth. And I would love to share with all of you, you know, what we discovered, what we feel to be true and, and what we what we want to do to help. Oh, yeah. No, that, that sounds great. Please go ahead. Yeah. So Garrett and I uh, did a little mini investigation on the fishing dock one, one beautiful summer day. And we decided to use an oracle deck, a pendulum, and wanted to try our efforts in automatic writing. And so through the course of trying to contact any sort of spirits in the area via our Oracle cards, um, for those who are unfamiliar, similar to tarot, um, but it doesn't have minor and major arcana. It's more imagery based and that specific image will have a meaning. Um, there's overall themes to these decks. The deck I chose to use for this was a Memento Mori Oracle deck. And it's designed specifically for spirit work and investigations. So over the course of using this deck, asking these questions, you know, who are we speaking to? Is there anyone here with us? And we got... Okay, hold it right there. Sure this thing. is going to be a cliffhanger because we're going to take a break. <laughs> Sounds and good. at the other end of the break, we're going to hear, we're going to, we're going to hear what this Oracle deck told Bex and liminal earth right after this break more strange cases as well here in night drift with jim perry and we're taking your calls have you had an encounter on the peninsula there what makes this place so weird let us know what you think 425-373-5527 or toll free in western washington 888-298-kknw that's after this on night drift with jim perry Drifting deeper into the night, Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. 
talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. rest of the world. Lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. You know, if you want more Night Drift, you can now find it wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget to subscribe to Euphemet while you're at it. That's E-H-O-M-E-T. For more information, just visit euphemet.com. And next week on this very show, our guest will be journalist Ralph Blumenthal on his book, The Believer, Alien Encounters, Hard Science, and the Passion of John Mack. Plus, his involvement in the groundbreaking 2017 New York Times article about the Pentagon's UAP program that many believe maybe including myself, ushered us into the postmodern UFO era. Ralph Blumenthal is next week, 5 p.m. PST, here on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNWAM, and stream it at euphemet.com. But tonight, we're talking about the strange key peninsula with Bex Atwood. Okay, so Bex, you're on Key Peninsula at a typically pollutant-contaminated Palmer Lake with last week's guest Garrett Kelly of Liminal Earth, the site of many, many sightings of a lady in white at Palmer Lake, and you have a deck of oracle cards spread. What is being communicated to you? The first card that we pull, um, it represents some sort of mystical helper. And so we interpreted that as, okay, we don't think this is a drowning victim. Uh, we think that we're reaching out to, to something maybe more land-based, maybe something mm. that's attached to one of us um, as a sort of guide. You know, let's, let's find out more. And so, you know, we're continuing to ask questions, draw cards. And they started to not answer the questions that we were asking, but they, they started telling their own story. Hmm. And the next card that we got was actually from our liminal earth oracle deck and they pulled the fungi card and it's talking about the mycelium of the fungi and how it all interconnects. And it's this big underground system. Hmm. So I absolutely loved that. And I was like, okay, so maybe what you're saying is that this is all more connected than we think. Maybe us just trying to reach out to one specific spirit is not what is meant for us in, in finding out how we need to help this, this integral network, this, this interconnectedness, um, this means something, this is significant, you know, let's, let's keep moving. Wow. And so we were theorizing, not even asking questions at this point, theorizing, I wonder what a spirit sees when we're sitting here on the stock asking them questions, what do mm. they see? And the card that we pulled was a mirror. It represents a reflection. <laughs> and so like, oh my gosh, is it, is it just a reflection of our world? You know, what's similar about it? What's mm. different about it? And how, how do we use this information? Yeah, it's, It was incredible. And so we're like, okay, there's, there's something about unity, interconnectedness. There's a mirror involved. Hmm. And um, we're, we were out here looking at this lake. And it was so still 
that the water almost became like a mirror reflecting the sky. And it was just, I don't know how to describe that. Like it was just such a significant moment. Like Mm -hmm. the cards are saying it. The lake is acting like this. This is all coming together. Let's keep going. And we pulled a card that represented like a memorial service or a viewing right before a funeral. Wow. We were like, oh my gosh, you know, there were drownings here. Was there ever a proper memorial for those people? Um, Something that I have yet to find out. And then question number two is, you know, we could almost do some sort of viewing or memorial service for the polluted lake itself. And Mm. we could take it a step further and we could make it a neighborhood or community event to clean up this lake. And that theory was further fueled by another card talking about uh, poor environmental conditions and talking about, um, I think we did a clarification card. So we pulled to get more clarity on, okay, environmental, like let's be a little more specific. And it was talking about um, being unhappy with the actions of others. And so our thought process went to, you know, is this drowning victim an environmentalist or are we talking to, you know, something more land-based? And it made me think back to an episode of Haunt Me where Katie Webb discovers that they are talking to the spirit of this protector of this super polluted river and that she believed it to be a water elemental spirit. And so I started to take that approach. I was like, Garrett, I really, I really think that this is something land-based, something protecting this body of water. And it's, giving us some information about the other side, but then it's also saying, Hey, we, we need something done here. You know, this is a mess. And, and we'd really like to get the community involved um, with that fungi card and with that mm. memorial service. And so um, we did some automatic writing after, and it was my first time. And you're kind of always like, oh, you know, I I hope I do a good job. I hope I don't, you know, just write things down. Um, Hmm. You know, you get into the trance state and the pen just flows. And something very interesting, something I'm still looking into is I wrote multiple women's names. Um, There was like a Karen. And then um, I think there was like a a four-letter name. I'm not recalling at the moment, but... I was getting actual names. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, maybe if, if those are some of the victims' names. Mm-hmm. But all of that together, Garrett and I were like, listen, we, <laughs> we have to plan a community event where we get people here, do a little memorial service for those that have passed, and then we clean up the beach. Um, I have... Um, a wetsuit so I would be happy to go and dive for you know beer cans and, and things of the sort hmm. and follow that that theme of community and just kind of go on a little paranormal lecture John Tenney style right and you know how he does it right in the bar I would do it just right <laughs> on the beach like hey this is why we're here tonight you know to commemorate these victims but I also believe that there's this spirit here who's unhappy with us. Let's clean up this beach and let's, you know, do our part to, to not only appease the spirit, but for everyone in the community to be able to enjoy the space again. Wow. Um, so I've been making efforts towards that. I'm trying to work with the HOA. Um, but in the meantime, we've been picking up trash and I planted some aqua plants. So generously donated by Sunny Crest Nursery in Lake Bay. Nice. Um, and slowly but surely, I think we're, uh, I think we're making it a better place. Wow. I mean, it definitely sounds like it on so many different levels, both physically and, you know, if, if uh, a, a greater spirituality or something exists with this stuff, it seems like you're making a, an impact in that upside down world that was being presented to you. And, you know, I find it fascinating when, no matter what people will say about the results, where they're coming from, from potentially Oracle cards or tarot decks or whatever, 
um, it almost doesn't matter when it translates into something so much greater for a community. You know what I mean? I do. And that's actually one of our principles with Liminal Earth is that we don't care if a story that someone has given to us can be debunked. We care more about what the implications of those stories are for the person who experienced it and to everyone who's it shared with. It's like, what effect does that story have on that person, the community, you know? And I think that's more important than having, you know, a super high tech setup and, and this database of, you know, EVPs and photos. And I think that's great, but we're getting impactful results with what we call primitive tools at this point. And it's just been a really interesting experience. (laughs) It definitely sounds that way. And I mean, Hey, you know, uh, you're creating an experience through this stuff and it, it can resonate. And I would be super fascinated to see what that event will do to the community in general, uh, even ecologically. Right. Um, we are drifting deeper into the night here, talking about all sorts of small town strangeness with Bex Atwood here on Night Drift. And I want to know what makes remote small towns so full of strangeness. Let me know what you think. 425-373-5527 and toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW. Please give us a call. It would be the first one of this program. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know we're starting from humble beginnings here, but if you have a, a a theory about what makes remote small towns so so strange, um, or if you've had an experience yourself, or a question for Bex, please let us know. Bex, I'll ask you what I just asked the listeners. What do you think is making the peninsula appear to be so active with high strangeness? That is the question of my life right now, Jim. (laughs) If you've asked a bigger question, no, (laughs) it's so interesting. I lose sleep over it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. There's so many theories out there. Um, My first, where my brain goes first is really John Keel's work on window areas, right? Mm. And so there are these little places, much like Brown County, as you might have discovered, um, I'm very familiar with that area. There are these places that are just so concentrated with either phenomenon and or lore to the point where it it's like seeping through, <laughs> seeping through the reality. It's weird. It's mm. like you can be a newcomer and you just feel it on your skin. It's so interesting. Hmm. And I love the idea of window areas, you know, places where it's just a little thinner, things can just slip through. And there's rumors by locals, uh, they refer to certain portions of the peninsulas as the thinnings. I absolutely love that term. But it's basically a vortex or a portal that you know, you know, see in old school paranormal television. It's, it's the same concept, but with a cooler name in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, in your experience now, you know, digging, digging up these stories and talking to locals, has there been a, you know, a consistent type of phenomenon that is being reported out there or are you finding it incredibly varied? Both. <laughs> yeah. There will be, a group of reports, you know, around the same, the same phenomenon. So an example outside of the Lady of the Lake is uh, there's this haunted road. It's called Heron Island Road. And it takes you to a ferry um, that takes you to Heron Island. And all along this road, there are reports of strange lights in the woods, strange drumming noises, and um, seeing someone in a white cape walking down the road. What? Yeah, and it's interesting because one person will pop up, get the courage to say, hey, so I say something. And then all of these other people will say, I saw that too, or I didn't see that, but I saw this. And um, it makes me think of UFO sightings, especially Betty and Barney Hill. They saw two completely different mm-hmm. things that night. 
Right. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, I have one point of thought of like, oh my gosh, you know, I love diversity in the paranormal. This is, this is incredible. But then the thought kind of enters of, oh, what if this is like the UFO phenomenon? And everyone's just seeing different things, but, but the common denominator is like, there is something that people are experiencing and it's only on this road, only mm. on this road. And it's, it's so interesting. And it, and it, it's not just, you know, ghostly apparitions. I talked to multiple people who have had UFO encounters, abduction dreams, and they're either in the same area of the peninsula or certain details about their accounts will parallel. Hmm. And it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so you think there's, do you think there's a potential there that these experiences people have are somehow influenced by their cultural perspective or point of view? Absolutely. Um, I think that's very fair to say because I actually was working on a case with someone whose mother was being tormented by some sort of being who just really seemed to have it out for her. And mm. as unfortunate as that is, as much as I wanted to help, um, she absolutely refused help from a non-Christian um, organization. Oh, wow. And then taking that step a step further, there's a lot of sightings of quote-unquote native people and so I think for a lot of folks their mind can only fathom like oh you know a land spirit is just a a, a passed away uh, native that's stuck around and so I think for some people that's just as far as they can go you know hmm. wise, like it must be a native what else is it or it, it must be a demon you know because this is what we've been told and yeah. so I'm here seeing I don't think land spirits are dead native folk. I don't think that that they aren't. And I also don't think that's all there is out there. And so something I've been doing a lot with these people I'm I'm questioning and I'm I'm talking to, um, I try to educate them just a little bit on on um, you know, here's what I think may also be out there and it and it often surpasses those those cultural limits and those um, those often you know religious beliefs. But they've never even heard of anything like that before. Then, yeah. so it's awesome to be that introduction for them. But a lot of them have like gone home, done more research, and you know what? I think you're onto something. I think you're right. And it's like you know what? It's not even me. <laughs> it's all these predecessors. You know, I'm just I'm just repeating it and, and taking it further. You know, and it's awesome to be able to uh, introduce a lot of people to, uh, to weirder things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think your future holds, you know, especially in terms of your work out there on the peninsula? I think the dream is to find that perfect fusion of the paranormal strangeness and horticulture as that's my educational and work background. Hmm. And lucky enough, through you and through the power of the internet, I am able to connect with the Liminal Earth guys. And we have this theory of liminal ecology. And I think that Jeremy would be the one to explain it to you. But it's using ecology, like site analysis, practices when going on a paranormal investigation, especially a long-term one. And so I'm sitting here like, I've been searching for this perfect fusion of my two passions. And I stumble upon these guys that just happen <laughs> to be starting it. And, and what do you know, you know, exactly what I'm doing is exactly the missing piece for them. And so we just came together. And the future for us, I think is it's going to be very interesting. We have a lot planned as far as um, we make a ton of investigation TikToks. Um, but I think the future for us is I'd really love to see us travel to some of those locations that folks report to us, maybe outside of the Pacific Northwest, being able to research those as they deserve, being able to investigate those to links and to be able to really to really uncover some mysteries here. Um, I think that's the hope. <laughs> yeah. 
what do you feel like you've learned about yourself in your time doing this on the peninsula? What's really interesting is uh, the more I do it, the more it feels natural to me. And it feels like Mm. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, And I've never actually felt that before. And so, you know, I I get a little nervous about, you know, speaking at a paranormal conference or or being on the radio. Um, But then as I'm doing it, I'm like, this just, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) And and I am getting used to that feeling, but it's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking with Bex Atwood tonight about the mysterious, the the haunted, the paranormally active location of the Key Peninsula, which is southwest of Seattle. And it is a, a, a dark and mysterious place and, and uh, definitely a spot that I've spent time at within the last year and uh, will be spending more time at, I, I, I really believe, especially if if you guys are able to do something with uh, Palmer Lake or Lake Palmer, um, you know, uh, that's really seems pretty, um, pretty ambitious and a good thing to do for the community. And when you can roll in the esoteric or the paranormal into physical uh, executions of enlightenment. Oh man, that's, that's the good stuff. Right, Bex? Absolutely. I'm right there with you, Jim. So where can people find all of your content and where should they follow? Personal content across the board. It's going to be Bex in the liminal. Um, I do a lot of work with liminal earth on TikTok. It's liminal earth, Instagram, liminal.earth. I think we have a Twitter page, liminal earth. Um, But I'm most active on Instagram and our liminal earth TikTok. Fantastic. If you had one word of advice for people before you go about how they can enhance their relationship with the unknown, what would you say? I would say pay your respects and expect nothing. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> that's awesome. And should be a t-shirt, I think. <laughs> Let's make it happen. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Bex, for uh, coming onto the show. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. And thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry, an alternative talk, KKNW, 1150 AM Seattle. You can hear the show anytime on its podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Go to euphemet.com for more and join us next week, Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Next week is going to be Ralph Blumenthal, and it's going to be fascinating look a fascinating look at the life of John Mack. And you know what's interesting? Bex brought up this idea that potentially the how we view the paranormal could be influenced by our cultural reference points. And there was a situation that John Mack explored, which I'm I'm very excited to ask Ralph Blumenthal about this school in a foreign country called the Aerial School in which had this mass sighting of a craft and entities that approached these children during recess. Now, shortly after John Mack traveled to the aerial school, and he had individual interviews with the students in which they drew pictures of what was happening. They uh, told him, of course, of their accounts. John Mack, um, you know, was was stunned by what he found in that many of the counts shared similar qualities, but they were also all very seemingly influenced and shaded by the potential of what those individual children's cultural influence could be. You know, uh, the expat kids had a different version of what these things were, of what these creatures looked like and, 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 and what they were telling them. And consequently, it, it brought this up to Mac to, to study what that diversity of perspective could be when it comes to the experiencer movement or the abductee movement. Now, I think when we zoom out and see the parallels between the rest of the paranormal, it seems like there's something there that is trying to be revealed to us. And, uh, and it's stunning. Bex, what do you think we should pay attention to as we think about 
our individual considerations within the paranormal? Should we embrace what could be potentially a mirror? Or should we just be infinitely open to whatever the possibilities may be? Oh, always coming at me with the, with the tough ones. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of us holding a space for the mirror theory, especially after receiving that, you know, with no intention, <laughs> you know, it was basically uh, something coming along and, and saying this as a sort of analogy, if you will, that we would understand. Yeah. However, um, I am up for all things weird, strange, and I want to hold a space for that as well. And so keep it open, but let's uh, also maybe file away our theories and, and keep those on, on hand as well. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is uh, I talked a little bit about these entities at the aerial school and what their message and messages were to these children. And it was about the ecology of the earth and to take care of the planet and to do your best to clean up after yourself. So, um, yeah, maybe we should start listening to them, folks. You know? <laughs> yeah, <I> recommend it. <laughs> so thank you so much everyone for listening to night drift thank you bex for joining us here on night drift thanks for having me guys it was a blast go follow bex all over social media and watch those liminal earth tiktoks right here you're listening to night drift on alternative talk kknw 1150 am seattle you can hear the show anytime on the podcast feed just search for it wherever you listen to them Go to euphemet.com for more and join us next week at 5 p.m. Pacific. And until then, keep looking up. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.